Welcome to Beyond the Body, a podcast for women who aren't afraid to dive deep into who they are, embrace discomfort, and level up their mind, body, and life. I'm your host, Christina Slater. If you've ever struggled with body image, self-worth, or knowing how to take your fitness to the next level, you have come to the right place. We go deeper than just the latest fad diet or trending workout to provide you with the mindset tools to transform your body, upgrade your mind, and reclaim your life. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond the Body. I am your host, Christina Slater, and today we are going to be talking about how to eat to lose weight without wrecking your metabolism. So this episode is really going to shine some light on why you feel like no matter what you do or how hard you work, you can't lose weight. We are going to talk about some essential components that you need to understand when it comes to weight loss and not just eating to lose weight, but eating to lose weight without feeling like shit, without insane cravings, without urges to binge so you can maintain your progress. All right. Before we do get into the sexy appealing stuff, I'm going to cover a few boring but really important concepts. So I urge you to bear with me. And this episode is one where you might actually want to re-listen and take some notes. Okay, today's episode is kind of like a snippet of the types of things that we teach our clients at Cut and Conquer. So the first thing I want to define is what are high volume foods? Okay, high volume foods are foods that contain few calories per gram. All right. So a really simple example of that is lettuce. All right. If you think of lettuce, you can eat a lot of lettuce for next to no calories. All right. The next thing is our low volume foods. Okay. So low volume foods are foods that contain a lot of calories per gram. Okay. So some examples would be nuts. Pringles, chips, or candy, or even olive oil. Okay. So high volume foods, foods that contain few calories per gram, and low volume foods are the opposite. So those are your foods that contain a lot of calories per gram. The next thing I want to define is a calorie. All right. We always talk about cutting calories, but do you even know what a calorie is? And you're probably thinking like, oh, a calorie is what food it's made out of. And although there's kind of some truth to that, it's not really correct. So a calorie is a unit of energy equivalent to the heat energy needed to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree. All right. So to some of you guys, I know that might sound like a lot of science gibberish, but the takeaway point is yes, all calories are equal, but saying that all calories are equal can be very misleading, especially to someone who lacks nutrition knowledge. Okay. So you can think of a calorie again, it's a unit of energy. Think of it like one kilometer. Okay. One kilometer is always one kilometer, but just like kilometers, calories can be very different and have a different effect on your body, just like running uphill. Or one kilometer is very, very different than running 
one kilometer downhill or one kilometer that's all windy all over the road, right? They're all one kilometer, but the effect of that one kilometer is very, very different. Now, I want to talk about where our calories come from. Okay. So you probably heard the term macros. That one's kind of thrown around a lot. Macronutrients. Essentially, macros are the exact same as macronutrients. So those are your carbs, your fats, and your proteins. Okay. Carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. You also have your alcohols, but we're not going to talk about that one today. Today, we're just going to talk about the three main macronutrients. So you have your fats. So fats contain nine calories per gram. All right. So fats have the most calories per gram. So if we're thinking back to what we talked about with like high volume foods, low volume foods, fats would typically be considered a more low volume food when we're comparing it to proteins and carbs because bear with me now. I know it's numbers and science. Proteins have four calories per gram and carbs also have four calories per gram. So it's funny that carbs are usually the demonized macronutrient. Oh my God, carbs make you fat. Let's do keto, all of that, because carbs actually have less than half the calories of fats. And now that's definitely not to say that fats are bad. They are not bad. Fats are essential for a multi, um, a lot of reasons. But what that means is if you eat 10 grams of carbs, you would consume. 40 calories. Okay. 10 grams of protein, you would consume 40 calories because they both have four calories per gram. And if you eat 10 grams of fat, that would be 90 calories because fat has nine calories per gram. So now that we got that stuff out of the way, now we're going to talk about and think about how we actually lose or gain weight. Okay. So everyone's metabolism burns a certain amount of calories just to keep them alive. Okay. And now this rate at which your metabolism works is it's kind of like a floating rate. Okay. So if you think about a variable mortgage rate, you know how the mortgage rate can go, if you're not locked in, it can go up or down based on different factors in the economy. Okay. So it's the same thing with your metabolic rate, it's going to, it is definitely not locked in and it is going to fluctuate to some degree based on different things. It's not going to fluctuate an extreme amount almost ever, but your BMR is what it's called. And it's affected by things such as your age, your gender. And it's also going to be affected individually by things like how much sleep you get. So when I say individually, I mean almost like on a day-to-day basis. It's going to be affected by your sleep. If you are sick, it's going to be affected by what you eat, etc. But for the most part, it's relatively stable. Like the amount of sleep you get isn't going to affect it by isn't going to directly affect it, I should say, by something like 300, 400 calories. The amount of sleep you get is definitely correlated to how you feel and to your hormones, which in turn can affect your hunger, which in turn can cause you to eat an abundance of three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred calories. But your sleep itself is not going to directly influence your BMR by an extreme amount. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. So to summarize that, your metabolism is going to burn a certain amount of calories each day just to keep you alive, and it will slightly fluctuate. So let's say, to keep numbers simple, let's say your body burns 2,000 calories a day on average, okay? 
And then for simplicity, let's say that you burn an additional 500 calories per day on average through exercise or movement. Okay. What that means is essentially you can eat 2,500 calories and maintain your weight. Okay. Maintain the weight that you are sitting at now. Again, this is an average. So there's a few other podcast episodes previously that talk about like things that will actually affect your weight in addition to fat loss and fat gain. So you could even experiment with it. And like if you were eating your exact number of maintenance calories, your weight is still going to go up and down absolutely 100% across the board because it's affected by so many things. Okay. And that, my friends, is why the scale is not a good measure of progress. It's a tool that we like to use in combination with a plethora of other things. But to keep things simple, we're looking at that 2,500 calorie average as your maintenance level to maintain your weight. And if you want to lose weight, you would have to eat less or burn more. Okay, So you'd either have to eat less than 2,500 calories or burn more than 2,500 calories if you were still eating that 2,500, okay? And if you wanted to gain weight, you would have to eat more than 2,500 calories or burn less. And typically, we'd probably recommend eating more because even if you're looking to gain weight, we still want to be exercising and, and moving, of course. And again, keep in mind that 2,500 calories is just an example for today's episode. That's not necessarily going to be your maintenance level. So this part is really, really important because this is where it gets confusing for a lot of beginners, okay? Because you can actually eat more food and less calories, okay? Just like you can eat less food and more calories. Okay. So losing weight isn't as simple as saying just eat less. Okay. Cause if it were that simple, like we would just eat less and less and less and less and less, and we would keep losing, 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 losing weight. And if you've ever tried to lose weight, you will know that it doesn't necessarily work like that. Okay. So I'm going to repeat that one one more time because it's really, really important that we understand it. You can actually eat more food and less calories. Just like you can eat less food and more calories. Okay. Plus, in addition to understanding that, those, the breakdown of those calories and where they are coming from, whether it's coming from carbs or proteins or fats, is also going to affect your progress and how your body looks and feels. Okay. We're not going to get into that yet. We are going to get into that. But first, I want to talk about the part that most people get wrong. Okay, the part that most people get wrong is they think that just eating healthier is going to allow them to lose weight. And if you're someone who eats like complete fucking garbage and is morbidly obese, that will probably work for you. But most of the listeners here aren't in that situation. Okay, so if you are averagely overweight or you're the average person who's wanting to lose some body fat and really like tone up just eating healthier and expect to lose weight expecting to lose weight is one of the dumbest things you can do because it does not matter how healthy you eat if you are eating too many calories you will gain weight that's a mistake that i used to make in my fitness journey i thought i could just eat whatever amount of healthy food I wanted, and I would lose weight because it's healthy. Okay. It doesn't matter how healthy we eat. If we're eating too many calories, okay, we'll still gain weight. And the, another 
important part to touch on is that marketing companies want to make money off of us. So they label things as healthy. They label things as high protein, as keto, as organic, as gluten-free. And we buy those things thinking they will help us lose weight. Sometimes they even have like a green label, like making it look healthy, or sometimes it'll say light. And it's not even actually referring to like light calories or macros. It's referring to like the color. It's like, oh, this is a lighter color. We put less dye in it. And very often those foods that are labeled as healthy or look to be healthy are packed with added sugars and added fats and all of these empty calories making those health foods, quote unquote health foods, very energy dense, Okay, making them a low volume food, which is what we talked about at the beginning. They have a lot of calories and you don't actually get to eat very much of that food for the amount of calories that you're getting from it. Now, I won't dive into this too much. If you are a client, if you go into our client group, I have a a client training on the truth about sugar cravings. Okay. And we really dive into kind of like the behind the scenes look of how companies really manipulate us even from a physiological standpoint because marketing companies and those big food companies like they are billion dollar industries they have high level scientists working for them and they know how our bodies work there's a ton of psychology that goes into it as well but even just physiologically our bodies like sugar okay they do i'm not going to get into that too much those companies know the exact amounts of different fats and sugars they should add that will tech like quote unquote get us addicted to those foods so that they taste good and we want to buy more of them. So that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother episode. I just wanted to make you guys aware of that. And so one of the least healthy health foods out there, at least usually, is something like granola. Okay. So we buy this granola, it says organic, it says gluten-free and extra protein or whatever. So we buy this granola, not knowing because we probably didn't check the food label. We just saw like healthy granola. This looks good. This is going to help me lose weight. So we buy it not knowing that it does have like added sugars. It does have coconut oil. It does have nuts in it, probably raisins and raisins are dehydrated. Like grapes are fantastic. But again, if you're a client, you'll know this. Like when a food is dehydrated, it's going to contain more calories per gram. Just like an apple ring, you could probably eat like 15 apple rings, but 15 apple rings are probably equivalent to like three or four apples. Would you sit down and eat three or four apples? Probably not. So these are things that we want to be aware of. So if your granola has sugar and coconut oil and nuts, those are three things that contain a lot of calories. Now, I really want to emphasize this as well. Calories are not bad. Okay, I did put a social media post up about this recently talking about how like low calorie foods aren't necessarily good and high calorie foods aren't necessarily bad. They both have their time and place. But eating energy-dense foods often is not often conducive to weight loss because you can't eat a lot of them. If you are dieting and if you want to lose weight, it is important that you stick within your calorie range that keeps you in a deficit. Otherwise, you're not going to lose weight. You don't have to be a crazy stickler soldier and hit exactly every calorie to the gram. And even if you were, it's it's technically impossible to do that because even nutrition labels are an estimate, right? But you do have to be mindful of what you are eating, right? So choosing those low volume foods that contain a lot of calories, 
they are going to take up a large portion of your daily caloric allotment, making it more challenging for you to stick to it. So I'm going to bring some numbers back into it again. But if you have a 2000 calorie diet and you eat 500 calories of granola, that's a pretty small portion of granola. I don't have any granola here to like check the label, but um, if it's not a big portion of most granolas that will equate to 500 calories, okay? It's a pretty small portion. But if you have a 2000 calorie diet and you eat 500 calories of granola, that's like 25% of your daily calories. And in that granola, it's probably not very high protein. Most granola is pretty much strictly carbs and fats. So you might get a couple of grams of protein, but 25% of your daily calories is going to be taken up by that. And you're not going to hit hardly any protein. That's a red flag. So someone eating 2000 calories of those 2000 calories, you're probably going to want to have at least 700 of those calories coming from your protein. Okay. So 2000 minus 700, that leaves you 1300 calories left over for your carbs and your fats. And if 500 of your remaining 1300 calories just came from that small serving of granola, that means you only have 800 calories left for the remainder of your carbs and your fats. Okay. 800 calories is not a lot. And that's why we see people overeating on their carbs overeating on their fats, and undereating on their protein. It's not because they are not capable of sticking to their targets. It's because they don't have the education or the understanding or even the willpower to make smarter choices. Because sometimes we do have this knowledge and we choose to not implement it because we don't care enough and we want to eat the tasty food and we don't really care about our goals. That's one scenario. But a lot of the time, we simply just don't understand how to do this properly. And that's why we keep eating less and less and less and damaging our metabolism and still not losing weight is because we're either not actually in a deficit or our metabolism starts to downregulate, which we're also going to talk about in today's episode. So from that example, you can see how easy it is to overeat on your calories and undereat on your food because that is totally possible. And that's the reality for most typical people, meaning you'll probably still be really, really hungry after you've eaten your final 800 calories that you have allotted after you've eaten the granola and assuming that you actually hit your protein target. And if you are really, really hungry, you're probably going to eat more, which is going to result in overeating. And that's not your fault because you simply just didn't have the knowledge to make the smartest choices with your nutrition when it comes to what your goals actually are. Okay. And if you have extreme hunger, if you're experiencing extreme hunger, it's going to be really hard to lose weight. And it's also not going to be a fun experience. A large part of weight loss is simply being able to be compliant to your diet long term. And the word diet gets this negative connotation. Oh my God, diet long term, that's not healthy. But your diet is simply just what you eat. So my rule of thumb is like you want your diet to be sustainable, but you also want it to challenge you because we like to be challenged. If something isn't challenging us, we're definitely not going to stick to it. So something that is realistic for us, that aligns with our life, but still gets us results and still gives us that push to keep improving, okay? So when you are trying to lose weight, you want to be smart with your food choices. 
part of being smart with your food choices is knowing how you can eat the most amount of food possible for the amount of calories that you have allotted. Okay. So for example, let's say 75 grams of pasta. Okay. 75 grams of pasta has about the same amount of carbs as 300 grams of spaghetti squash. Okay. 75 grams of pasta is about equivalent to 300 grams of spaghetti squash when it comes to the carbohydrate content. 75 grams to 300 grams. Now, if you're not someone who has really ever weighed out food or you're not like me and can like eyeball portions extremely well, I'm pretty sure you can still like rationalize how different 75 grams is to 300 grams. It's a huge difference. It's more than triple. Okay. So which option do you think would fill you up more? 75 grams of pasta or 300 grams of spaghetti squash. Okay. Now you could also compare different foods. I just pick these two because they're good examples of like high volume and low volume foods. Neither are inherently good. Neither are inherently bad. It's just really good examples. Like pasta is something that is typically really easy to overeat again, because it's energy dense. It has quite a few carbs for the amount of grams. Spaghetti squash, on the other hand, is kind of like the other complete end of the spectrum. We can eat a lot of it for not very many carbs. Now, before we move on, I also want to bust a really important myth. I guess it's not really a myth as much as it is a common error. Okay. And that is thinking that, like, okay, so rice is a carb and chicken is a protein. So if I want to hit 50 grams of carbs and 50 grams of protein, I'll just eat 50 grams of rice and 50 grams of chicken because rice is carbs and chicken is protein, right? No, (laughs) hard no. And now I know this might be a little confusing, so I'm going to simplify it as much as possible. Bear with me because this is going to help you so much on your fitness journey, whether you're trying to lose weight or gain weight. So every food is going to contain a different amount of carbs or proteins or fats. So bringing it back to our original example, So 50 grams of rice, I know it's easy to think, oh, 50 grams of rice, 50 grams of carbs, but 50 grams of rice is equivalent to about 15, one five, 15 grams of carbs. And 50 grams of chicken breast is equivalent to about 60 grams, six zero of protein. Okay. And that's chicken breast. It's going to be a little bit different if it's chicken thighs or chicken legs, et cetera. So it's not as simple as just picking a food that you know is a carb and weighing it out to the amount of grams of carbs you want. You actually have to figure out how many grams of carbs is in that food. So I'm like at Cut and Conquer, we help our clients do that, obviously, but you can also like look up that information. If you are a complete beginner and it's overwhelming to you, I do recommend working with a coach because like we break it down very simply for our clients on their nutrition plans. We help them learn how to use MyFitnessPal if there's someone who wants to learn flexible dieting for themselves. Because I even remember when I was learning this stuff, I was like, oh my God, this is so much information for my mind and I'm just overwhelmed. So I'm not going to take action. And that is a mistake. Another important thing to note is that some foods, a lot of foods, not as much like whole foods, but a lot of the foods that we like will contain more than one macronutrient. For example, like a whole food example would be even something like beans will generally have proteins, carbs, and fats. Not so much fats, but there's there's typically a little bit of fat in beans as well. Then something like steak, it has protein and it has fat. Chicken breast is like a lean protein. That one pretty much just has protein. But the takeaway point for foods with multiple macros, multiple macronutrients in them, is that the calories in that food is going to be coming from all three or all two of the macronutrients, okay? Which is 
a good segue into our next topic. Now, I know I talked a lot about calories, but it's not just calories that matters. It's also where they come from. So protein is going to be one of the most important sources of calories for you, no matter who you are, where you're at in your life, if your goal is to lose weight, gain weight, or anything in between. Because not only does protein help you repair muscle tissue, build muscle tissue, protein also has a high thermal effect of food, meaning it takes a lot more calories to break down protein than it does carbs or fats. Okay, so you're almost getting like a better bang for your buck because your body actually burns more calories to break it down. This also makes protein very conducive to weight loss and it does help you feel full. Okay, so most of my clients at Cut and Conquer, most of them consume about 30 to 40% of their diet from protein. Okay, 40% being on the relatively higher side. You could even you could even get away with going as low as 25% of your diet from protein, but I wouldn't recommend it. The only time we usually start someone at 25% is if like they've been eating almost no protein because doing a massive jump from like almost no protein to 30, 40% of your diet coming from protein is a huge adjustment. So you, you could even start as low as 25% and then I would recommend like slowly building it up to get to between 30, 35% for most people. Again, it's going to depend on your body and your goals. And then the rest of your calories are going to come from your carbs and your fats. Okay. So I personally set individual carb and fat goals for my clients, whether they're doing like macro tracking style or even if they're following a nutrition plan, I like to set those individual targets because I like optimizing things. But when I say optimizing things, it really just comes down to getting to know my clients' bodies, how their bodies work, how they respond, and what the individual preference is. Because for most people, it really doesn't matter much what percentage of your remaining calories come from carbs versus fats as long as you are you are including both and you are staying consistent and compliant it's also never 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 a good idea to cut one of them out that's another topic for another episode but if you 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 want to make sure you're eating carbs and proteins and fats So before we end off the episode, I do want to bring back high volume versus low volume eating because that's probably the most important concept to drive home in this episode. Because if you can understand and master that, you are set. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple examples here. Okay. So let's talk about a protein bar. Now we're definitely not promoting protein bars or demonizing protein bars that are just a really good example for this scenario. So take a typical protein bar, okay? Your average protein bar is going to contain about 30 grams of carbs, about 30 grams of protein, and about 10 grams of fat, okay? That's going to equate to about 330 calories. So think about this for yourself, but do protein bars fill you up? Okay. I know some are like more filling than others. For me, protein bars do not fill me up. I have literally dummied like six protein bars in one sitting. Okay. But think about it for yourself. I know some of you guys maybe don't have a super high appetite, but if you think of a protein bar, they're typically not very big. I feel like most people could easily eat two protein bars in a sitting, like pretty easily without that much struggle. Okay. But let's let's say you eat one. 30 carbs, 30 protein, 10 fat, 330 calories is what you consumed, okay? 
Now let's talk about the equivalent of a protein bar when we break it down into high volume foods. So we're getting that 330 calories from the protein bar and we think, oh, high protein because it's a protein bar, but it's also a carb bar and it's also a fat bar. It's a carb fat protein bar, <laughs> which is not, we don't think about that. We just think, oh, protein. Yeah, I hit it. I, hit, I got protein in today. Okay. So now let's take that 330 calories with the same macronutrient breakdown and let's distribute it into lower volume options. I mean, sorry, higher volume options. I massacred that. I'm so sorry. We're going to distribute it into higher volume options. So for your 30 grams of carbs, we're going to allocate 150 grams of sweet potato. For your 30 grams of protein, we're going to allocate 120 grams of chicken breast. And for your 10 grams of fats, we're going to eat about 50 grams of avocado. Okay. Pretty sure just by hearing those numbers, you guys can determine that that's a lot of food. Okay. So if you don't know how to like eyeball portions, for example, 120 grams is about equivalent to a large chicken breast. 50 grams of avocado is about equivalent to half an avocado. And 150 grams of sweet potato is probably like the equivalent of about a third of a sweet potato, depending on the size of the sweet potato. I buy really big sweet potatoes. <laughs> so it's a solid serving of sweet potato. Okay. And all of that is going to equate to pretty close to 330 calories. Now, I don't know about you guys, but most typical people probably couldn't dummy two or three of those meals in one sitting unlike how we could eat two protein bars without much struggle, okay? So I hope that that really demonstrates the difference between high volume and low volume eating and how you can stay so much more full when you're eating high volume and how much you can, how much you can get more bang for your buck when it comes to your calories when you're selecting foods that are high volume that will fill you up and keep you satisfied, okay? That is what we call high volume eating. It keeps your stomach full of food. It keeps you satisfied. It reduces your cravings and it keeps your hunger hormones in check. Because if you are eating low volume, so if you eat that protein bar, instead of eating that well-balanced meal of high volume whole foods, you're going to get hungry. You're going to get hungrier quicker. Your ghrelin will increase, which is a hunger hormone. Your leptin will decrease, which is the hormone that keeps you feeling full, that's going to result in obviously increased hunger, decreased fullness, which is less than ideal on its own. But couple this with the fact that you ate low volume, meaning you ate high calorie foods for not a lot of foods. It's it's almost guaranteed that you're going to overeat. Now, I do want to touch on the importance of eating low volume. Let's say if you have a crazy busy day and you know you just know, which I don't like to say this because I fucking hate excuses, but if you literally like cannot eat in a day, like you're literally slammed, like you actually have all of these reasons that are legitimate, which is highly unlikely, but let's say you actually can't get in your calories, okay? That's when low volume eating is going to be really important. You're going to want to consume those foods where you don't have to eat a lot of them. You can get those calories in quick because even though I didn't talk about it much in this episode, consistency is key, okay? You got to hit your targets within a range of, let's say, 10 to 15%, even 20% on the higher end regularly, or you're not going to see meaningful progress. You can't just like hit your calories properly for a day and then not the next day and then do it good for two days and then not for the third, like the next day. It's not how it works. And I'm all about controlled 
results. I'm all about strategy. I there's I don't understand why people just wing things and hope for the best. So just like we can use high volume eating to our advantage to stay full, we can also use low volume eating to our advantage if we don't have a lot of time to get our calories in or if we're trying to eat more or we don't have a super high appetite and eating this massive meal isn't realistic for us right now. Okay. The final thing I want to touch on today, and I appreciate you guys bearing with me. I know this one has been a little bit sciencey. There's been some numbers thrown at you. The final thing I want to touch on is if you have been yo-yo dieting, if you have been eating extremely low calorie or binging and restricting frequently, you will have likely wreaked havoc on your metabolism. Okay. Which means your metabolism has probably downregulated from where it should be. So like in the example, when I said at the beginning, let's take a person who burns 2000 calories a day. Well, if that person has been yo-yo dieting, eating extremely low calories, starving their self, binging and then restricting, they should be burning 2000 calories a day, but their, their metabolism will have probably downregulated and maybe they only burn 1200 calories a day. Okay. That's a pretty extreme example, but it happens. It definitely happens. This is the problem with online macro calculators, online calorie calculators is they're computerized. They don't take dieting history into account. And that is probably the biggest thing I take into account when I have a client is like, what does their current eating look like? And what is their diet history? Okay. Cause that's going to make a big difference on where we start them. Online calculators for macros and calories, they base that number off where someone of your age, your weight, and your activity ideally should be. Okay. So if you ideally should burn 2000 calories a day naturally, but you only eat 800 calories, which happens. I've had clients join the program who are literally eating like six to 800 calories a day. And I'm almost like, how are you functioning? So if you should be burning 2000, but you're eating 800, and then you suddenly start eating like 1700 because that's where you quote unquote should be, you're going to gain weight. You're going to pack on pounds and you're going to get confused because you're gonna be like, oh my God, I should be losing weight. I'm not losing weight. The scale is going up and you're going to cut your calories back down again and stay stuck in that same cycle, not making progress, being afraid to eat and exhausting yourself. So if that's you, it's important to gradually increase your calories, okay? And I highly, highly recommend working with a coach for this because it is hard enough to keep ourselves accountable on a typical diet, let alone when you are in a vulnerable state trying to do a reverse diet that you don't really fully understand to begin with and you have a damaged metabolism, okay? It's also hard to view our own progress objectively. Like, that's why. I have a coach. I have all of the knowledge that I need to coach myself to make progress, but it's a challenge to objectively look at the data because I'm like, oh, well, this week I was like hungrier, so maybe I need more calories. And I'm like, well, my my weight didn't go down as much as it should have in theory. So like, I'm actually going to like maybe reduce my calories. We get very up in our own head, right? So that's why having a coach is so important because they can look at your pro progress objectively and they can help you understand things and make the right decisions for your health and for your goals. And I know some people are like, oh, well, maybe like I can't afford to have a coach, but can you really afford not to? 
Think about how you've been living your life. Think about your relationship with food. Think about all the times you binge and restrict yourself and feel guilty and associate that guilt and those labels of good food, bad food. I'm never going to make this progress. Can you really afford to continue living your life like that and continue passing that down to your kids and continue living in that state of self-doubt and discouragement because you've never been able to actually make progress because you don't actually have the education and the knowledge to make smart choices with your nutrition, to learn how to do it sustainably and see what you're truly capable of. So moral of the story, it doesn't matter how healthy you eat. If you're eating too many calories, you're going to gain weight. All calories are the same, but where those calories come from can be very different and is very important. Protein needs to be prioritized in your diet, no matter who you are or what your goals are. High volume eating should be your best friend if you are looking to lose weight. Just like low volume eating is really important if you are trying to gain weight or eat more calories in a shorter time or without being super full. Okay. Include carbs, proteins, and fats in your diet. And if you have struggled with yo-yo dieting or binging and restricting in the past, work with a coach to help you get your body back to a place where you can actually lose weight. Because weight loss isn't about who can suffer out the hunger the longest, right? It's about being smart with your food choices so that you can sustainably make progress. It's also about being disciplined enough to be patient with yourself with your results and with your body because weight loss is not linear and it's never going to be. And sometimes it can feel like you actually have to take that small step back in order to meaningfully move forward towards your goals. That is it. That is all for today's episode. I appreciate you guys staying with me for this one. If you got value, please let me know. I love to hear from you. I love to hear what you guys took away from the episodes, what you're liking, what you want to hear more of, what you learned. Take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, share it to your story at Nifina, give it a tag. And I appreciate you guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Body. If you're getting value from the podcast, please don't forget to follow, rate, and review. It really goes a long way. And if you're ready to take your mind and body to the next level and you want to work closely with me and my team, head over to my Instagram page at Nyfina and tap the link in my bio to fill in a coaching application to see if Cut and Conquer can help you transform your life.